into 2023, isn't it? Amen. It's good to finally be here. It's good to be into this year. Although the beginning of years are kind of arbitrary. You know, that's not something that really means that much sometimes to our practical life. But at the same time, it's always good to know that we've made it so far. We've gotten to 2023. We've done it by faith. You know, you and I, we have one life to live and one life to give. You hear this a lot. I've heard this a lot. One life to live on this planet and one life to give while we're here. Do you, do I honestly know, do I know that I'm doing, do you know that you're doing the right thing with your one life? Are you doing the right thing with your one life? Don't let that create condemnation for you, but answer the question honestly. Do you honestly have a vision from your maker about how you're living so that you know that you're living on mission on a weekly basis with a vision that's come from him? What are you doing with your one life? How are you living? I want to kind of back up a little bit and let's kind of define some things a little bit. Your mission is your overall purpose, right? I don't want to get too heady and too long with this discussion, but it's your overall mission. Your, your overall mission is really your overall purpose. So some churches will say something like this, that our mission is to love God, love people. Individual Christians will say their life mission is to love God, love people. That's a big, broad purpose. We take four verbs, right, and we say our mission, our purpose, you can read it up on the wall, is to receive. Now, you're going to hear it differently from me than what's on the wall because it got shortened on the wall. But we say receive, then we say grow, give, and lead. Those are our four verbs. Receive God's word and his love. Grow in God's word and his love with others. Give God's word and love in service. And then lead others to God's word and love in the path of discipleship. That's our overall purpose. That's what we're trying to hit. That's a target we're trying to hit. That's our mission. It's an overall purpose, right? But a vision is something different than a mission. A vision is really your path for fulfilling your mission. So to get that, and we have a definition we can put up on the screen back behind me. And you can write this down if you want. A vision is your answer to the how and why of your life. It gives the reasons, the boundaries, the shape of the actions, choices, and hopes, and priorities, and desires that you have. It guides those things. It sets the tone for those things. Your vision fills your daily and weekly activities with meaning, direction, and purpose. It's the path of how you get to your vision, or to your mission. So you can see why vision is so very, very important, isn't it? Vision is huge. We might have the same mission, but some of us could have different visions. And the question, though, is always this, is the vision I have for my life God's vision for me? Because if he's Lord and Master, he's guiding that vision. He's the one who sets the tone for that vision. Do I have his vision? Do I have his boundaries in my life? Do I have his goals in my life 
for me, my family, my, my work, my ministry? Is it clear? So I, I hope you see where, that, where, where we're going today. If we understand, we, we, we get our mission, but if we understand our vision and we get that, our lives are going to become simpler. Our lives in some ways are going to become happier. They're going to be more meaningful, more successful, more righteous, because they're in God's will, so they're going to be more on target. But the real rub is, is will I accept that? Who is speaking the loudest into my vision? Is our culture? Am I? Where's God in his word? What's speaking? So this morning, we want to take a look at a story. And this story is overflowing with lessons for us on how to have a godly vision and how to keep a godly vision. Because a godly vision isn't something you just get once and move on. No, it's actually your ongoing picture and path as you follow the Lord. And to follow the Lord is not just to go north. It's to, it's to follow him, actually. And his path turns, changes direction at times. It goes in a big arc. It goes up, it goes down. But to stay on course, we've got to stay with him. And we've got to have his vision. And so his vision keeps us in, right involved in our missional work. We have a work to do. We've been created to do that work. We've, we've been created to glorify him. We've been created to destroy the works of the devil. We've been created to be participants in the salvation of other people being one and, uh, for Christ. We have a mission, and we have a vision, but do we have our vision? So this story that we're going to read today is just overflowing with lessons for us. And this story is really about the Apostle Peter and his growth as, a, as an apostle on mission, and then a Gentile man named Cornelius. I love it. And it's really about how to have vision for your life and how to have your life mission renewed and expanded and really changed as you go through life. So if you've got a Bible, I want you to turn to Acts chapter 10 and let's read just verses 1 through 22. Acts chapter 10, verses 1 through 22. A little bit of a, a reading today, but it's a good, good story. Let's read it together. At Caesarea, there was a man named Cornelius, a centurion in what was known as the Italian regiment. I'm not going to go totally into his background a lot, but this man was a Gentile. And so, just, just so you know, because he was a centurion in the Roman uh, legion, uh, he was not a friend of the Jews. And Peter is a Jew, right? But this man is different. He and all his family were devout, and they were God-fearing. So somehow along the line, Cornelius had found out about this one God, the God of the Jews, and had put his faith in him, and his life was changing and had changed. And it says that he was a devout man and all his family, and they were God-fearing. This man Cornelius gave generously to those in need. Not something people did in that culture much. He prayed to God regularly. He was a seeker of God. He had conversations with the Lord. He listened. One day at about three in the afternoon, he had a vision. A vision is a picture that comes into your mind, into your heart, 
of something that God is saying to you. So you see it in your mind's eye, in your mind's heart. And he says he distinctly saw an angel of God who came to him and said, Cornelius. Cornelius stared at him in fear. What is it, Lord, he asked. The angel answered, your prayers and gifts to the poor have come up as a memorial offering before God. I've been paying attention. It matters. I see. Good job. I'm glad you're following me. And I'm glad you're doing the things I've called you to do. And it goes on. Now send this vision, this angel said, now send men to, to Jaffa or Hoffa to bring back a man named Simon who is called Peter. He is staying with Simon the Tanner, whose house is by the sea. When the angel who spoke to him had gone, Cornelius immediately called two of his servants and a devout soldier who was one of his attendants. He told them everything that had happened in his vision, and he sent them to Hoffa. It looks like Jaffa, but it's Hoffa. About noon, the following day, as they were on their journey and approaching the city, Peter went up on the roof to pray. He became hungry. He wanted something to eat. And while the meal was being prepared, he fell into a trance. He saw heaven open and something like a large sheet being let down to earth by its four corners. It contained all kinds of four-footed animals as well as reptiles and birds, both clean and unclean animals to eat. In all of Peter's life, he knew there were certain animals to eat and certain animals not to eat, certain animals that were clean, certain animals that were unclean. And if you were going to be a follower of God, one of your distinctions were that you never ate anything unclean because it would make you unclean. So, man, he wouldn't, he's just looking at this going, what? Then a voice told him, get up, Peter, kill and eat. Well, we know Peter, he likes to buck these voices that are said to him. And he's got a will of his own, and he's got a strong personality. And so he says, surely not, Lord! Exclamation point. Peter replied, I've never eaten anything impure or unclean in all my life. The voice spoke to him a second time. Do not call anything impure that God has made clean. This happened three times. Same thing. Immediately then, the sheet was taken back to heaven. So three separate times. The sheet is dropped, the command comes kill and eat, and then the voice would say, do not call anything impure that God has made clean. It happened three times. We only hear Peter resisting it once, but you know he has trouble with it. This happened three times, and immediately the sheet was taken back to heaven. While Peter was wondering about the meaning of this vision, the men sent, the men sent by Cornelius, they found out where, Peter's, where Simon's house was, and they stopped at the gate. They called out, asking if Simon, who was also known as Peter, was staying there. While Peter was still thinking about the vision, the Spirit said to him, Simon, three men are looking for you, so get up and go downstairs. Do not hesitate to go with them, for I have sent them. Peter went down. He said to the men, I am the one you're looking for. Why have you come? Because he didn't have any idea why he came, why they came. But he knew that God was in it. The men replied, we have come from Cornelius the centurion. He is a righteous and God-fearing man who is respected by all the Jewish people. 
A holy angel told him to ask you to come to his house so that he could hear what you have to say. Then Peter, what did he do? He invited the men into his house to be his guests. There is huge change. Huge change that is occurring in this passage. It is major huge change that is occurring in Peter. There's also a huge change happening in Cornelius. And it can be easily missed. And we want to take a look at it today. We want to see how to renew and keep a godly vision for their life and ministry. Remember, Peter had a vision for his life. He had a purpose. He was out there spreading the kingdom, but God was doing something new. And that vision had to keep growing. And that vision had to keep changing. He couldn't just stay with the same vision. And the same was true for Cornelius. So let's take a look, and we're just starting. Okay, we're not going to. We're only going to hit two, two of the things that we can learn today from this passage, and we're going to keep going because there's a second part of the story, and it gets even better and better and better. So this morning, if you're trying to figure out, do I have God's vision for my life? These are some really handles you can hang on to construct a vision. And to be certain that your vision is from God. And if you need your vision renewed, let it be renewed by the things that you see in this passage today. So let's take a look at the first thing. The first thing that we see here. As you look through all of this passage in Acts 10, this mission-focused, vision-focused passage, it begins with what? Prayer. It begins with prayer. I'm going to give you your first point, and we're going to talk through it a bit. We are to walk closely with God in humble prayer. If there is not a desire, or if, if it's not present that you are walking closely with God in humble prayer, it's hard to maintain a vision for your life that's godly. Rather, uh, not to speak of renewing that vision. There has to be prayer, communication with God. Um, it's said to us in this passage, Cornelius was in prayer when the angel visited him. And it also says Peter was in prayer when the vision came to him. So before we, just like them, can imagine any new vision for our life, for our family, for our work, for our ministry, we have to start with praying. Because God has to give that vision and speak that vision. We don't get it by getting together and talking and saying, okay, now what do we want to do? It's important to communicate and to talk at some point, but that's after God has spoken. Right? Because you're not going to get this vision by your best thinking or your, your assessment of the need. Many times we used to say in ministry, man, just find a need and fill it. Well, that's the world's approach to, to getting vision for your life. Figure out what you're passionate for and then do it. That's the world's approach to finding out the purpose or vision for your life. It's not God's. So before we begin, we have to ask him. Prayer moves his hand. Prayer opens us up to receive the truth. I want you to bring you back to a great scripture found in the Old Testament. It was a Scripture, a promise that God gave when the temple was being dedicated and Solomon was dedicating this temple. And God was making promises to his people. 
And I want you to hear this, this scripture. We often will um, quote it when we want to see revival or, or want to see God's hand move, but we sometimes don't realize that this is a prayer we need to be praying, and this is a prayer that needs to guide our vision for our lives and our ministry. And so it speaks to the vision of a believer's prayer life. I want you to hear this again. It's, it'll be up on our, our screen. God says this to Solomon, if my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face, seek to know me. See, not just my hand, not just my hand out, but to connect with me and know me. And if they will turn from their wicked ways, but those ways aren't really dark and slimy, it's just doing things without God. If they'll turn from their wicked ways, he goes, then I will hear from heaven, I will forgive their sin, and I'll heal their land. Now my eyes will be open, and my ears attentive to the prayers offered in this place, God promises. I have chosen and consecrated, that means I've set apart this temple, so that my name be, may be there forever. My eyes and my heart always be there. Man, God is, is emotionally connected here and intimate with his people. He's telling us what he's looking for. He's telling us what it means to be in prayer, to humble yourself before God so that you have a vision for your life and your ministry and your work that's his vision, his ministry. Part of humbly seeking the Lord is prayer. In prayer is to pray how and when and where he's directing you to seek him in prayer. That's it. You might put that in your notes. Partly and part of seeking God humbly in prayer is to pray how and where and when he's directing you to seek him in prayer. That's to be humble. We no longer go to one temple to worship him, to serve him. Because the Lord now has made you and I temples of the Holy Spirit. He lives within us. We are now the temple. This place is not the temple of God. This place is not the house of God. You're the house of God. I'm the house of God. We are the temple of the Lord. This is where God dwells. And he dwells in our midst as we gather in his name. So he dwells in his church, too, his people, as they gather in his name. That's where the temple is now. So God has a will, and he will direct each of his followers to seek him at particular times and in particular ways. Because the temple is within you. And as we gather, the temple is in our midst. Our passage says that Cornelius prayed to God regularly. What did that really mean? Well, you know what that meant? That meant that he, because it says here he was praying at 3 in the afternoon. How many times do you have a prayer time at 3 in the afternoon? I'll bet Cornelius had it daily. You know why uh, he had it daily? Because it was a typical schedule of Jewish followers of Jesus, or of God, actually, at that time. And Peter also had his vision, and when did it come? He was praying up on a rooftop at noon. Well, why was he praying at noon? Well, the typical schedule for a Jewish follower of God, 
followed a three-hour pattern. So both Cornelius and Peter were following this pattern. There would be prayers at 6 a.m., at 9 a.m., at noon, at 3, at 6 again. And guess what? There would also be prayer times in the morning, if you were up earlier than that, right? As well as in the evening. Do you get, you, do you see all of a sudden? He regularly prayed to God. That's what you have to see. You have to see a man who, whose life is organized around prayer. Whose life vision is organized around prayer. It's so funny. We'll, we'll go on and we'll say things like, well, I just don't have time to pray. I didn't have time to have a devotional time today. I had so much work. I had so many things to do. Do you know they never would have said that? They would look at you and say, who are you following? What way are you in? Who's Lord of your life? You, you don't have time. This is what it means to be a follower. Figure it out. You know, are you either a follower of God or not? Or are you just some religious groupie over here? And, they, and, and Jews are pretty dramatic when they talk to you. They would have confronted you about that. You know, maybe we need to confront ourselves about that. Do I pray regularly? Do I partner with God in a way of life with him? Or do I just try to add him on to my life? You can do it. Brother Lawrence wrote a book called Practicing the Presence of God. And he says, I pray all day. Because my heart is attuned to him. Get the little book. It's really thin. It's a book for guys. You could read it really fast. Read it and learn from his example. He talks about setting aside an altar in your heart to God so you can stop and go to him throughout the day, no matter what you're in, so you, you can stay in his presence. We need to learn how to walk with the Lord like that. So is this our practice when it comes to prayer? How does our life revolve around prayer? How does, our, how does it revolve around an ongoing conversation and fellowship with God? I'm not sure that God wants us necessarily to be as regimented as this, but I do believe that God is going to tell you what you need to stay connected with him. And that's more than just having a time with the Lord once a day. I guarantee it. That will never take you anywhere significantly. And you know that, right? You've experienced that. So if we're going to humbly pray, we're going to have to have regular times of prayer daily and weekly where we seek the Lord, and that's what matters in life. Because we're going to have God's vision for our lives. And that's where that vision is going to come from. Think about it. How does our life revolve around prayer in this ongoing conversation or fellowship with God? Think about it. Might our lack of prayer contribute to our feeling of not being heard by God or knowing that he's there? Because we're really not humbling ourselves before him, are we? Does it, do you think it might contribute to us not feeling forgiven, not being healed, not sensing the presence or knowing that his eyes and his heart are open to us? Jesus said, I'll never leave you nor forsake you. He's not a man or woman that he would lie. So why don't we know that? Could it be because we're not 
regularly praying. See, that's where vision comes from. That's where vision comes from. It comes from God in prayer. In prayer, we acknowledge that the answer is not within us. In prayer, we acknowledge that. We see that our role is this. This is your role. It's to seek after God in humble prayer, and his role is to reveal himself, his will, and his vision to us. That's how it works. You seek him in humble prayer, and then his role and his job is to show himself, his will, and his vision to you in his time. That's where we have to anchor our lives if we want to keep a godly vision, if we want to renew a godly vision. And right now we live in a culture that fights against that. I'm here to tell you, right? Somebody say amen to that. Yeah. It will tell you and give you every reason not to have a prayer time or not to have regular prayer time or not to be meditating on God's word regularly or not to be in church. It's okay. Just don't worry about it. That kind of stuff, our culture is full of those things. We don't want to be there. We want to have God's vision. Well, there's a second thing in this passage that it shows us that we've got to keep if we want to keep a godly vision. Peter pretty much had put God in a box. You ever feel like you've done that? You've limited him. You've decided, well, I kind of know how God operates. I know how he, want, how he works. And you kind of, you get a little, you take him for granted. And you get a little like, oh, okay, Sarah, Sarah, what will be will be. Guess what? God was going to shake Peter up and change his way of thinking. And he was going to do it in a major way, and he wants to do that to you and me. He wants to keep think, changing the way we think. Yet I want you to consider how he does it in such a wise and understanding and even considerate way, knowing how we're wired and what we need. I don't know if you noticed that here. At this time in their lives and in their walk with God, Cornelius and Peter both were men after God's own heart. They were guys who were seeking after God regularly. They were humbly trying to walk with him. They weren't perfect at all, but they were walking with him. But I want you to notice that Cornelius and Peter had totally different backgrounds. Cornelius and Peter had totally different places that they came from as far as faith and work in their life. They had totally different personalities. I love that. And they had different callings. They had different ideograms. They were, they were opposites of one another in so many ways. But both received visions in prayer. Both of them received visions in prayer. However, Cornelius got an angel that showed up to him, and he responded immediately to that angel's will. And what that, that word that the angel brought to him, immediately. Peter, on the other hand, didn't get a personal angel. He got a video presentation with a voice. That's what he got. He got that, and it played for him three times, over and over again. So it could hit repeat. So there was probably an angel in the background going, okay, here we go, boom. Okay, got, okay, you resist. Here you go, you get to see it again. Okay, you get to see it again. And that's what he got. And partially we know that he got that because he protested the first time, which wasn't big news to us, because Peter was different. Cornelius didn't have to think about or meditate on God's word or promise to him very long before he understood it, before he accepted it, before he responded in faith, because that was Cornelius. But Peter, on the other hand, had to struggle 
He had to challenge. He had to meditate on this change longer and more intensely before he would accept it and before he would respond in faith. And God understood that. Do you get that? God understood that. And God was good with that. Because he made each of these men differently. And he made each of them for different works. And to have slightly different visions for their lives. God understands. So, but here's something that's also true. So God understands. But we don't. <laughs> and Peter didn't. Peter had no idea that God was at work among the Gentiles at this time. Because he was focused mostly on his Israel family of faith, the Jewish family of faith. But what he was going to discover is that God was already at work before Peter had even engaged in the work. God was ahead. Missions, ministry, evangelism is God's work first. Say amen to that. God is always out ahead of us. He's way beyond us. See, sometimes we think, well, it's not real practical to pray. You've got to do more than pray, right? Prayer is just, you know, you've got to act. We act like prayer isn't talking to the God of the universe. The one with all the power and knowledge and wisdom. The one who has the ability to, to speak and it's done. We forget that. We forget it. But it all begins with him first. Our role is to look for what he's doing and then join him in his work. I'd put that in my notes too. Where is God working? Because your job is to join him, not him to join you. Well, I want a vision for my life. Well, say I want God's vision for my life. It's, it's his life he's given. And he knows. So I've got to look to what he's doing and then join him. The reason the vision of the sheet came down with clean and unclean animals on it with this command to come and eat three times was to give Peter a chance to process this big change for how he was going to see the Gentiles and the kingdom of God work on earth differently. And so he needed to process it. And God understood that. You know, God understands that with you, that you need to process change. And he wants to give it to you. But you know what else? The reason it came three times? It was to emphasize that it, it was true. It was decided. It was important. This is where we're going. This is where you're going. Will you believe in faith and go there with me? This is important. That's why I'm giving it to you three times. So by the time... This drama has been acted out. Peter begins to get this idea that God's doing something new and something different. He's not sure exactly what, but he knows he's doing something new in the church. So that's why the sheet wasn't just let down once, and then he heard a voice, but three times. Consider this. If you want a vision for your life, what does God keep bringing you back to? What opportunities keep pressing and presenting themselves to you and you sense God is trying to say something? What challenges keep tugging at your heart? See, if we listen and we pay attention to those things, you know, what people does God keep putting in your path? 
God will always persist where he has a plan. He'll always persist. And he, and he, keeps, he keeps us in process and keeps bringing it back to us because he wants to hone the vision of our lives. Are we listening to him? Are we accepting it? Where are we? Are we more like Cornelius? Are we more like Peter? In my family, Jody's Cornelius, and I'm Peter. What about in your family? Which do you more identify with? Hmm. I want you to notice something else, and this is so important in this whole discussion here, is God only gives part of the vision and only the next step in the vision. Oh man, I get fired up when I say that, and I'm kind of controlling myself. God only gives part of the vision and only the next step in the vision. They had to keep discovering it as they walked in obedience to the vision. We have to be set to obey. If you aren't set to obey, if I'm not set to obey, forget getting more vision and forget having your, your vision renewed by God because God will just sit there and say, I'll wait. Or I'll just use someone else. But you won't go a step further until you obey and repent of that. God only gives part and only the next step in the vision. So Cornelius and Peter, they did keep meditating on God's word. They kept, they kept meditating on the next promise that God would give to them until ultimately they fulfilled his vision for their life. But he kept, they, kept, they kept meditating. Remember we talked about meditation last week. There's a, there's a promise in Psalm 1. He who meditates on my word day and night will be like a tree firmly planted by streams of water that yields its fruit in its season, and its leaf does not wither, and in whatever he or she does, they will prosper. Who's not going to take that? That's much better than playing the lottery. That's much better than any deal you can get out there in the earth. It's telling you, it's not telling you you're going to get rich, but it's telling you you're going to be successful in being what you've been created to be. You're going to have peace and wholeness. You're going to move toward healing and blessing. You might also have, you're, you're going to get every blessing I want you to get, so you, you will get blessings that are financial and blessings in relationships and all sorts of things. But it comes from meditating on his word and listening so that you stay in line with his vision. We're to be on a lifelong walk of faith. Our role is to meditate on God's word and his promises to us his goal or his role is to guide, teach, and lead us in the truth and in that vision. And he'll do it. I, I want to tell you something, and I'm going to, I don't want to step on your toes, but our modern culture claims, whether you're in business or life, that you should be having a five-year plan, a 10-year plan, and a whole life plan. Right? You've heard it. You've been about it. We've tr I've tried to pursue it. Okay, I'm going to be, I'm going to behave as I talk about it, because I'm an eight on the Enneagram. So that means I want to challenge some of those notions, and that means I want to be smart aleck about it too. But I'm not going to be, okay? You're supposed to have this five, 10, 20 year plan so that you might achieve your goals and your dreams, okay? You get it all the time. I don't know how many times they do this training for you in your business or in the teachers or whatever. But I'm telling you, it is God's role to guide, teach, and lead you in your vision for life and ministry today, tomorrow, 
and beyond. What if, as you meditate on his word and promise to you, what if he doesn't give you even a plan for the next year? What if he doesn't, let alone the next 5, 10, and 20 years? And my question to you, will those 5-year plan and 10-year plan and 20-year plans, will they stand in the way to keep you locked in and believe in a lie about your life? I'm telling you, they will. And you won't be happy. See how I'm getting fired up? I didn't, I didn't behave, dear. I'm sorry. I'll back up. You know, it's ridiculous. What if God doesn't give you? So you're just going to assume? And that's your role? No. It's not your role. No, your role is to meditate on his word. Your role is to obey as the vision comes. Your role is to walk by faith and follow the Lord. He's made you. He knows the work he, works he's created you to do, and they're great works of art. And so he knows, and he wants to do it in fellowship with you. I'm here to tell you there was a great spiritual leader, Oswald Chambers. How many people know of Oswald Chambers? Okay, this is what he had to say. You can take this to the bank. He was right. He, his, his writings were compiled right in a best-selling devotional, utmost for my highest. Uh, it's blessed many believers in their walk with the Lord. He died really young, never knowing what his, the effect his life would have and his writings would have. But God did. Why did God know? God was out before him. God was out before him. He said, I got, a, I got a mission and vision for you and I got a vision for your life. And you're doing it and, and you may not know it, but you're, you're doing it. And others will know it after you. This is what he wrote in his diary in January 8, 1909. He wrote this in his journal. It came so clearly to me that in all ventures for God, I had to go in faith. I must keep walking in faith. Now I do the same. I continue on in faith. It will be a great and joyful thing to see how God will open up the way. Because God is in me. I never see my way. Such a great, prolific writer and spiritual leader. And he goes, I never see my way. Shoot, I don't even have a one-year plan. Let alone a five and ten or life plan. No, I don't see my way. I know God who guides, so I fear nothing. I love this. I never fear. I never, I have never far-seen plans. I only have confident trust. He's trying to tell us something, isn't he? He's trying to tell us something. God really is there and can be trusted. You really do need to be responding to him. And his vision for your life really needs to be your vision for your life. And you need to receive it from him. And then by faith, say, this is what I believe God would have me do. Look, at if you're going to miss it, God's good. He'll be with you. He'll tell you if you're missing it. He'll tell you if it's going to take more time and more effort. So let it take more time and more effort. It's okay, but let God lead you. And I'm here to also tell you there's nothing wrong with a plan and, and planning ahead with God's direction. You know, my kids know me. I like to go in with a plan. I like to go in with a strategy. 
So I am definitely not advocating for just flying by the seat of your pants um, just because you don't want to be more disciplined or, or don't want to take time to think or to pray. I'm not advocating that because that's not God's way either. God has called us to take the time to meditate on his word and on him and to seek him in prayer and then to be able by faith to put down on paper sometimes that vision that he gives us but only what he gives us. You don't have to feel the pressure to have to perform for the world or for other people. You just got to please God with your vision and then fulfill it in faith. Amen? Amen. Pay attention to what is going on inside you when you pray. Then pay attention to what is going on around you as you pray and you seek God's word. And then when you discover and spot where God is leading and working, join him. Join him in that work. Don't ever walk away from it. Join him. I want you to stand with me and let's close in prayer. Thank you for being patient with my passion. <laughs> that comes out at times. Praise the Lord. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father, we just thank you for just these two points that you've given us in this passage. Thank you for the story that your, your spirit is opening up to us. Thank you that you know the plans that you have for us. You've said that. You told that to Jeremiah. And you told it through Jeremiah. Plans to prosper us and not to harm us, to give us a hope and a future. We know, God, that you're out ahead of us. So assure us of that. And may we be people who seek after you humbly, Lord, in prayer. May we be humble followers of you, Lord. But as we follow and as we pray, may we not be passive and just give you a laundry list, but listen and seek and receive from you your word. And may we, by faith, as you speak, as you lead, and, and as we, we, we bring your word and, and the things we feel you're saying to us, to our brothers and sisters in the Lord, seeking for discernment, God, may your will come to light. May we see it. May we be assured of it. Thank you that you know what we need to hear your will. You know if we need to see it or hear it three times or we need it 12 times. Thank you, Lord. You know whether we need to see an angel or we just need to see a video presentation. You know, Lord. And we just thank you and bless you for that, that we are fearfully and wonderfully made and you know how to speak and communicate to us. So give us the humility, Lord, to believe, and then to submit to the fact that we need you. We need you. We need your vision to be renewed this year. We need it. And we want to stay on that path to blessing. We don't want to leave it. God, as all the world is walking away, and as it sounds like many people in the church are just kind of peeling off throughout the country and the world, we pray that you make us more holy and righteous to you that the leaf would always stay green on our tree and our fruit would always bear in season. And whatever we do, we will prosper according to your word in Psalm 1. We bless you and praise you for that. So bless each person here today. Bless them with the hearing of this truth and with these passages. God, reignite godly vision within all of us. Ah, and lead us.
that blessed place this year. It's in Jesus' name we pray. And we all said together, amen. Amen. Lord bless you. Amen.